Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Whoa. As soon as I said that, I hit my goddamn microphone. Oh, we were just talking about how we're not as good at this as we used to be. We had a we had a peak and it's gone, folks. Yeah. Welcome to Perhaps It's You. Oh yeah, that's the name of the podcast. The unf- un- unofficial. The, the unfolved. I'm just gonna go. I'll show myself out. It's my own home. <laughs> An unofficial fan rewatch podcast of the classic television series Unsolved Mysteries. The yeah, Robert Stack it. episodes on Amazon Prime. Did you know that many mysteries are unsolved? Many mysteries. Too many mysteries. And that's why we're here, to solve these mysteries. Do you think any of the mysteries we're going to talk about today we could solve? I mean, I would love to go to Robert Stack's grave and be like, don't worry. We solved that one. (laughs) And like place our hand on top of it. That would be a lovely moment. Rest a little bit more in peace now, Robert. We solved that mystery. And meanwhile, his ghost is like, I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't even an important mystery. (laughs) I'm not worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) So what's up? We're back with a a pretty good episode this week. I actually really like this episode. I feel exactly the same right now as I felt on our first 50 degree day after the Dayton's (laughs) Monkey curse blizzard. Where it's just like, things are looking so shitty, it seems like it's never going to get better, and then all of a sudden you have a beautiful day. It is a nice That's day. what this feels like, because we've had so many sucky episodes in this season. I what is wrong with season two? I was really wondering, like, why are we doing this? No one is going to want to listen to any of this. It's and I'm trash really sorry. garbage. Um, but I like this episode. I like this episode, too. There's no Nazis in it, which is a plus, right off the bat. I mean, last episode stirred up a lot of feelings for me. Sorry, folks, about last episode. Yeah, you're still bitter about the Indiana Jones (laughs) situation. I sort of forgot how deep my love for that ran. And it it clearly brought up a lot. I didn't know about you. Now we know. Now we know. There's a rift in the podcast, folks. Those feelings, I hadn't really thought about it in a while. But once it came up, man, oh, man. Someone on Twitter agreed with me. Well, actually, I don't even know. They've seen Indiana Jones. I just haven't even seen it, so I can't form an opinion. But there was people on Twitter saying they didn't really like Indiana Jones. Yeah, but that's How did that, that make you feel? Not good. <laughs> it kind of hurt a little. <laughs> and I was really trying to point out Harrison Ford's hotness. And none yes, of their, which I do agree with. None of their points address that at all. So Every day you've sent me at least relevant. three gifts of Harrison Ford. <laughs> and I, I don't disagree with you. It was looking good Did in I movies. used to have a giant poster from a suncoast video of just harrison ford's face it was huge it was like a display <laughs> i used to have that in my bedroom do you still have it no i wish i did Damn. it wasn't from indiana jones oh okay sadly it was just like harrison ford's like face his, his headshot i think it was like a still from one of the jack ryan patriot games or clear and present danger movies i don't even it was just like a boring photo of him and i was like yep this is what i need i'll hang room. that up and look at it all day every day um mac clearly really felt bad for you and was like what was wrong with her parents what did samantha do when it rained how did she never watch indiana jones <laughs> and i realized that a love of indiana jones is something that like brought mac and i together so he sort of oh well, that's nice where he was like oh well this movie takes place in this year and indiana jones was born this year like he just was like rattling all the stuff off the top of the ha- his head and i was like i love you <laughs> That's a very sweet story. We were meant to be together. <laughs> well, he was like, he clearly felt like so bad for you. Oh, it's okay. Don't feel bad for me. No, we still will. Okay. In well, a patronizing, unhelpful way. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's fine. Samantha and I right now have never looked better. Yes. Pretend I agree. we always 
get dressed up to do the podcast. We're both wearing some very pretty dresses. Our makeup is done. Yeah. Our hair is did. Yeah. We are looking fine. And this is not normally how we look. Although, <laughs> no, we shouldn't is. even tell you that because this is an audio medium. And what do yeah, you know? We always are dressed as impeccably as Robert Stack when we record this podcast. I'm always. never just in my pajamas and Samantha shows up and I'm like, oh, hey. I'm never in a ratty old t-shirt. <laughs> Never. Let's get this over with. <laughs> My makeup's not done. My hair isn't brushed. It's possible we're going to see Trixie Mattel yes. later this evening. So we're we're so already excited. in our finery. I've been looking forward to this forever. I can't wait. It's going to be pretty great. It's going to be so fun. Mac did tell me that my eye makeup, which I really like caked on there. He was like, that's way too subtle. I was like, well, this is... Uh, yeah, that's true. That crossed my mind as I was leaving my house <laughs> as well. I, like, I, mean, I could have gone, gone all out I'm not trying to do a, a Trixie Mattel look, so... You should have. Do you think anyone there will? I'm positive someone will. Oh, I'm excited. But I wouldn't want to do it around her. No, like, I around could never the live master. up. No. I could never live no. up. It would just look bad on me. If I had been practicing for months, maybe. maybe. But still, though, that's ballsy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. So we have that on the agenda for today. You know who else hasn't never looked better? Mr. Lenny Briscoe. <laughs> he, he just got a haircut. He so looks so snazzy. He's wearing a little bow tie. So that he um, is not quite so warm. He's laying now. under our podcast table right now. He yeah. looks like a totally different dog. He's so cute. He's a cute little boy. I liked him scruffy, but I also like him clean shaven. I like him scruffy, but I also realize that that's not in his best interest. Yeah, it's a little warm in Minnesota so, in the summer. Um, we did have a couple updates. And by Jove, I don't even really remember. Rochelle was like heartbroken. She gave you some wrong information about the rarest blood type. Look, you should not be tuning in to this podcast for blood yeah. info. I understand that we are true crime fans, but uh, that does not make us blood experts. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't be relying on the blood information that you get on this podcast. <laughs> so she was mistaken in whatever she said, but you know what? I don't even know what it was, and so, it's fine. It's fine. So our resident librarian Megan recommended a book for people that do like a Nazi mystery, unlike us. And I'm not saying I couldn't like a Nazi mystery, but I did not. Not that one. Not that, not that eyebrows mystery. That was boring. <laughs> so she suggested the novel Spandau Phoenix, oh, which okay. is a mystery slash thriller. If that's something that you're looking for in your life. Thanks, Megan. Since we can't be trusted I'm to I'm sure there's people listening who are interested in World War II and would be interested in a, in a Nazi mystery. Maybe even that Nazi mystery. I know I was not. Yeah, it I, was it was a I little bit rough. I hope we didn't lose too many listeners. With it was our, also so long, but it was just really. I think if you actually watch the segment, you would be like, "Wow, this is really long and boring." And lots of people on Twitter were like, "Way to survive that Hess mystery," <laughs> because it, it we really oof, did need to survive brutal. that because it was hard. And then while I was narrating it, like halfway through, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is so long." I'm halfway through. It took us like forty five minutes, and we weren't even. I know. A quarter of the way done with that thing. So if you listened last week and you're still listening this week, thank you. We I'm glad we had really Rochelle here because it. she had so much World War II knowledge that she was able to contribute. If it had been us, we would have just talked about nothing but those eyebrows the whole time. I think it would have just been us, a podcast of us snoring, which maybe it some people are that. into. but Some people might be, but... <laughs> That's not the podcast I want to do. I think do. we got like just the tip of the iceberg of Rochelle's knowledge. We did. And it still was so long. It was. <laughs> it still took so long to get through. Indiana Jones rants aside. 
Do you have any okay. other updates? Thanks. Oh, other update. When I was talking about Hitler sharks, and there was a special about Hitler oh, yeah. sharks. There's a special about U-boats. I knew he didn't really have sharks, but I knew that there was <laughs> something. Though. I mean, I would. That would be hilarious if he had tried to like mind control sharks or something. But I was like, I know there's something about Hitler sharks. Well, there's like a special called that that's about U-boats, and it's not about sharks, and it's really disappointing. Yeah, so we're not going to watch it. But if you want to watch it, it's out there. Just know that I didn't totally lose my mind when I was talking about Hitler and sharks. I mean, we did lose our mind a little bit in the last episode, but... I felt slightly vindicated that I wasn't just making shit up. (laughs) You would just combine Shark Week with whatever. It kind of makes sense just because, like, there's constantly on cable specials about Hitler and constantly specials about sharks. So you would think if they could finally bring those two things together, like, that would be the most popular television of all time. Like, if they found old footage of Hitler riding a shark <laughs> for Shark Week or something. That would that would break the internet, I'm sure. Yeah, or we found out that Hitler actually died because a shark ate him or something. Uh, should we jump right in? There's, okay. like, four mysteries for you, in this one. following along at home on Amazon Prime, we are on season two, episode seven. This one, unlike almost all the other ones so far, I we're worth watching. I say right now that I enjoyed this episode. This is a solid Unsolved Mysteries episode you get variety you get four mysteries you get robert stack in different outfits he is wearing different we get casual stack yes i think it you get a little of everything and there's some quality mysteries and nothing put me to sleep twice <laughs> you gotta start with a christmas party murder yeah this is an unexplained death and the opening shot of the segment is a close-up of a lighted christmas tree there's trumpet christmas music playing and someone is saying ho 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 merry christmas yeah, that was Santa, Samantha. Someone dressed as Santa, you're right. No. The actual Santa. That was Santa. <laughs> we learned that this is an office Christmas party on the night of December 22nd, 1981. Rhonda Hinson is 19 years old and is attending her first company Christmas party. In the reenactment, she's clearly dancing with a creepy older co-worker. Yeah, I felt bad for her. Yeah, his mustache was a little creepy as well. Anyway, Rhonda... He's not MVM. No. I, he was not my pick. No, there's a clear, I think, winner I think so, in this episode. Too. Uh, Rhonda had recently graduated high school, and this was her first job. She was a clerical worker for a local steel company. At midnight, Rhonda and two of her girlfriends left the party. She dropped off her friends and started on the 10-mile drive home around 1230. At exactly 1 a.m., Rhonda's mother woke up with a strange premonition. Her mother tells Unsolved Mysteries that she had a clear feeling that something had happened to Rhonda and that Rhonda was dead. Here's the thing I think about that. I think mothers have that feeling every single day. I think so, probably. I mean, I'm not a mother, but I feel like my mother constantly was in the clutch of terror that something had (laughs) happened to us. And if something had happened to us, she would have been like, oh my God, I I knew it. But really, she just was... I feel like being a parent is just constantly worrying. I think so. Especially when you know that your kid is coming back from a Christmas party at one in the morning. With their creepy coworkers. Yeah, and all her creepy coworkers are there. So Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. Rhonda's father also woke up and he turned on his C B scanner, which he used to listen to police radios that apparently they kept by their bedside. I found that so odd. It's very strange. That's gotta contribute to some nightmares. Don't keep a police spanner scanner by your bed. And he acted like it was so normal. He's like, you know, like you listen to accidents and stuff. I'm like, that's not normal. I don't no, think. I don't think so. At least Maybe not, like, right next to your bed. We're weirdos. Do you have a police scanner? No. No. It's not even something I've ever considered. No. I know there's apps you can use, but those aren't even, like, the main police scanners. I don't even think you, like, hear anything interesting. That jingle is 
adding a little Christmas flair to this mystery, but it's actually Lenny Bresco. Thanks, Lenny, for that <laughs> nice background music. So, as soon as Rhonda's father woke up and turned on this radio, they heard radio chatter about a homicide. Rhonda's car was discovered just a half mile from her home. The driver's door was open, and Rhonda was found a few feet away. She was lying on her back. Robert Stack says that it appeared her arms had been deliberately placed at her side. Like the body's been staged. It seemed like that, according to what they were saying. Rhonda had been killed by a single bullet fired by a high-powered rifle. The bullet passed through the trunk of her car, through her seat, and hit her directly in the heart. So weird. I know. Rhonda's mother describes her as a loving and caring person, the type of daughter that anyone would like to have. I found Rhonda's mother to be heartbreakingly sympathetic. She yeah. seemed like such a sweet lady. Um, and it's, yeah, just very sad. This is an absolute tragedy and your worst nightmare as a parent. I know. And that's why parents are constantly waking up in the middle of the night going, oh no, something happened, turned on the police scanner. And then this one time. (laughs) Something actually did. Yeah, it's awful. So this is where Casual Stack joins us. He is wearing a Burberry plaid shirt and I'm (laughs) all for it. With like a brown leather bomber jacket? Yes. You look nice. It's a great look. Like the Burberry plaid. I wonder if he was wearing Burberry trench coats. If someone knows a little bit more about trench coats. I want to know. High-end, very expensive trench coats. They certainly were high-end and very expensive. So maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe they worked out some sort of deal with the Burberry company. Maybe. For free trip. Actually, whoa, get in touch. Yeah. Sponsor our podcast. (laughs) I feel way more ridiculous saying that than asking for like LaCroix and mattresses. A LaCroix sponsorship. We did reach out to LaCroix. And, and they were like, yeah, we didn't we'll hear get, back. We'll exactly. get back to you. Uh, what am I drinking right now? A LaCroix. A LaCroix. So this podcast, either way, is brought to you by LaCroix, whether they sponsor it or not. They probably realize that we talk about them anyway, and they don't really need to give us anything. We'll but talk about it more, come LaCroix. Come LaCroix. LaCroix. Uh, call LaCroix. us. LaCroix. Girl, call us. <laughs> So, Robert Stack says that the murder of Rhonda Hinson first appeared to be a random act of violence, but as the investigation but proceeded... so random to shoot someone through their car. I think, yeah. I mean, the first thing I thought was maybe it was a road rage type of situation, because yes. it does seem like she yeah. was shot from behind her car. Right. But then why take the body out and stay? It's so odd. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. And we'll hear some other weird things in a minute. Um... Yeah, Robert Stack says that disturbing clues began to surface that suggested that Rhonda may have been murdered by someone she knew closely. So, Rhonda had always been a popular, outgoing girl. She never had a problem driving alone until several weeks after her graduation when she began to ask her father to accompany her on trips into town. On one of these trips, Rhonda made a strange statement to her father. She says, I have something to tell you, but I'm afraid to. And then he, of course, says, you know, what is it? It doesn't matter what it is. You can tell me anything. But she didn't. She just said, I'll think about it. And he never did find out what had been bothering her. Her parents did seem like really sweet people. And I think they would have helped her with whatever it was, even if they were upset about it. So I wish she had had more time to tell them. Tell them because. And also the result of this is that her parents both feel guilty and it's not their fault. It's not their fault. And it's just really sad situation that yeah they feel like if only we had asked her a few more questions, if only we had pushed her a little bit, but we could have got the truth the and we could have helped that her. they didn't want to push her, you know, how old was she at this point? She was 19. Yeah. The fact that they're sort of recognizing that she's an adult 
Yeah. And... It's fine, too. Yeah, I think that that actually was healthy and nice of them to not be like, oh, no, you have to tell us. Right. So, oh, I wish they didn't blame themselves. It's really sad. And she was living at home, so they were clearly there for her, and... Yeah. I don't think there's anything they could have done differently, but of course you feel like you should have right. when you're a parent. Right. So then one day, while Rhonda and her mother were getting ready and chatting in the bathroom, Rhonda asked, Mom, I was wondering if it's ever okay to go with a married man. And her mother tells her that it's never okay, um, that the only thing that would come of that is people getting hurt. Um, she didn't ask Rhonda, Rhonda for more details and never found out if Rhonda was asking for herself or someone else. And who knows if that's connected to this? Maybe it's just a random question. Yeah. Maybe she, like, knew a family friend was having an affair or was watching too many soap operas. Like, who knows? We really have have no idea. Yeah. So in the weeks leading up to her murder, Rhonda's parents noticed that she was suffering from insomnia and was often getting up in the middle of the night to take showers. Robert Stack quotes unnamed experts who claim that such behavior is common in women who have been sexually abused... Um, her mother does say that she would be woken up in the middle of the night by the shower and go ask Rhonda what she was doing. And Rhonda would say, I just can't sleep. I feel dirty. Yeah, that's really heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. And it it raises some eyebrows. Yeah. It makes you wonder if something horrible happened. What's happening? Maybe at her new job. Maybe she was being harassed. Or worse. Yeah. Something had happened and she was trying to deal with it on her own and it was too much. Yeah. Mm. I know. It's really sad. So the police are concerned that something was being done to Rhonda. Further, evidence started to point to someone having been stalking her on the night of her death. This is a bit shaky on that front, but this is what we get. So Special Agent John Suttle of the FBI, who I just wrote down, has a decent mustache, (laughs) um, says that between 12.15 and 12.30, the morning of Rhonda's murder, a witness drove under the bridge near where she was murdered and saw a blue Chevy facing north with two men in the vehicle. This car was facing the on-ramp where Rhonda would soon drive and was just 200 yards from where her body will later be found. Another witness saw a similar blue car speeding away from the murder scene, but with only one person behind the wheel. This witness says that he saw Rhonda's car in the ditch. A woman was slumped over the steering wheel and there was a man standing next to the open driver's side door. Right. Uh, he claims that he thought that they might just be drunk or something. Um, I wouldn't stop if I saw that. Yeah, I don't know. You're on a dark country road. No. Be a little frightening, perhaps. Um, I don't... I mean, my default mode is to really mind my own business. And there's nothing about that that seems that suspicious. I think that's probably most people's default mode. Yeah. Um. So there were fingerprints discovered on the driver's side door, but they have never been matched to anyone. They put the witness under hypnosis, and they play the audio from the hypnosis session, but I don't know. I'm highly skeptical of hypnosis. Yeah. Uh, Would you do hypnosis for something? Like, I know people who have used it to, like, help quit smoking. Would you be interested in it for something like that? I don't think I I would. I don't know that I would go out of my way to be hypnotized. Would you? I can't think of, like, what I would do it for, but I'm kind of curious. If it would work on you? Or... Yeah. Yeah. Because I've just never been hypnotized. Have you ever gone to one of those hypnosis, like, shows? Yes. I remember doing one in college, or going to one in college, and it was very hilarious and very convincing. Yeah. Um, I've been to something like that as well. And I can't really remember the specifics, but at the time, you were like, oh my goodness, crazy. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know if it's like I don't really know to how be helpful works. as a tool. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I remember they used those shows to like sell self hypnosis DVDs and stuff where oh you could God. like solve your problems. They probably right. shouldn't let that come to a school, but anyway. Well, yeah, probably not. <laughs> Um, so the last thing I wrote down was Ralph Johnson of the Burke County Sheriff's Office saying that we have a very attractive young girl whose life was taken. As far as we know, her character is unblemished. Blah, I hate so everything about that. We should care about this because she was pretty and well behaved. Got it. Yep. Not any other reason. Like she was a human. Yeah. I mean, she does seem like a wonderful person, but we should care about everyone who's murdered, not just people who are pretty. She seems and... to be going out of her way to say she's not slutty, and that has nothing to do with the case in any conceivable way. And I just feel like the impl- implication is, is she was sl- if she was slutty and ugly, that we wouldn't care about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean why I mean, else would you say? Sadly, that's kind of true, though. Like, oh, we should be sad about this because how pretty and well-behaved she was. Yes. That's garbage. And it yeah. really added nothing to the story. No. Well, it just reminds you that patriarchy is gross yeah as far as i know this has never been solved um i don't know what to make of these witnesses i feel like the guy that the the witness saw at her door could have been someone stopping to help or it could have been the murderer i it's we really have no way of knowing under hypnosis he he remembered another car that was parked nearby which if that's even true that could just be again someone who stopped because he saw this car go off the road and a woman slumped over and he went to try and help it doesn't mean it was the murderer yeah um and they say that maybe this person got scared when he realized that she was dead and he drove off certainly possible maybe we don't know we really will never know and that's really sad yeah i would like justice for Rhonda. i know it's a sad one it is really sad i this is the sort of thing where you're like and now the update will tell me who did it and then, and then it doesn't come. We never find out. And you go, oh no! I know. Yeah, her poor family. They seem so sweet, and and they'll never know what happened to her. Yeah, really and the sad. last thing she did was go to some stupid office Christmas party. No thanks. I know. What a uh, bummer. It is a bummer. Do you have any good office Christmas party stories? So I don't know how good of a story this is, but I worked at a veterinary clinic in college. That was very nice. I love everyone who I worked with. And they have an office Christmas party where they do a white elephant mystery gift exchange. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. I was a poor college student. And the idea is really just to get the funniest gift you can find. So I got a toilet seat from the Goodwill (laughs) and a pink fuzzy toilet seat cover and put it on the toilet seat. Nice. And put that in a bag. And we played, I don't know, the dice game or something. Sure. I've never seen anyone so drunk as the veterinarians that I used to work with. Which the story is probably funnier if you knew them because they were kind of straight-laced people they, they who were just letting like, loose. Yeah, oh yeah. my god, that toilet seat was the hit of the party. People were walking around with it around their necks. Ew. Which is kind of disgusting, but it was also hilarious. And this was at like a restaurant where there was like other people. <laughs> and he, like, what the fuck <laughs> are these people doing? Yeah. Do you have any funny... I mean, good I want Christmas party stories. I don't know that I, I don't have anything involving a toilet seat. So <laughs> I once had a boss get so drunk before the dinner part that she had to leave. Oh no! <laughs> before dinner even yeah, started. Yes, I can't. It's like, funny when it's anything. your boss because then you see yeah. them. You see them at work on Monday or whatever. It's like, like hey. <laughs> hey. I remember when you were walking around a restaurant with a toilet seat on your neck. <laughs> I mean, we all have a memory. Like, we've all done that. Yeah, don't throw we? stones, Samantha. <sighs> uh, so that's the end of that mystery. A sad one. Poor Rhonda. I know. Justice for Rhonda, everybody. 
All right, let's talk about a fortune teller fraud. I love this one. I love this one, and I'm so excited about it because it takes place in Peoria, Illinois. Yeah. My whole family is from Peoria. My parents met in Peoria at a church. Like, whenever I'm talking about, like, oh, I love this house. It reminds me of blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking of some house in Peoria. (laughs) So I was very excited about this, and it takes place the year that my brother was born, which I remember. So it's all, like... It all comes together. It's very nostalgic. With this. And Robert Stack opens this episode quite skeptical of fortune tellers. Yeah. He said, buyer beware. The sad fact is some are more interested in fortune taking than fortune telling. <laughs> I loved when he was like, fortune telling, tarot reading, tea leaves. Sounds intriguing. <laughs> He's like peeking around this sign Such for a fortune. Such an old man thing to say. Sounds intriguing. Yeah. Or does it? It's like what everyone in Minnesota says when they're like kind of shading something and they're like, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Sounds that's, intriguing. That's I guess. different. If you're a sucker. <laughs> okay. So this is the case of Anne. Cora Sully and Lena Marie Wilson, who were a con woman team. Mother-daughter, Mother-daughter, con artist. Schemers. Anne was 26, and her mother, Lena, was 53, though sometimes she would claim to be her grandmother. I think to add a little, like, air of wisdom, you know? Yeah, of course. And they were scamming residents of Peoria throughout the 80s, for a total of, they say, $600,000. I would kind of assume there's probably more cases that they're unaware of. but Probably. Yeah. So their modus operandi was to convince people, mainly women, that the bad problems in their life were the result of a curse someone had put on them and that that curse was attached to money. Convenient. So, convenient. So they needed to get the money out in order to live a curse-free life. Sure right and so the money has to be destroyed so we meet a couple people for reenactments but they like they're sitting in the shadows yeah they don't, they don't be use identified. their real names because they feel like they're such suckers but obviously the way that this fraud works is i'm sure some people went to see these fortune tellers and just got their fortune t- told but if you were vulnerable and you could fall for some parts of the scam, they would keep going. It was a long con, right? Oh, it was. Like, after they saw that you were susceptible, that you were vulnerable, they might try to get a little bit of money out of you, and if that worked, they would try for a little bit more. Until suddenly you're buying them Mercedes. Yeah, and until it, you know, is out, <laughs> kind of out of control. So one of these people that they're not using their real name, they're using, is are calling Karen. And in March of 1987, um, she was a respected educator who was dealing with some mental and physical ailments after a car accident. And someone told her, like, oh, you should go see this fortune teller. You'll feel a lot better. So she goes and sees Anne, and Anne correctly guesses that she's been having suicidal thoughts, which she hasn't told anyone and maybe hasn't even really admitted to herself. So she's blown away that the psychic can figure this out by looking at the cards or whatever. I can't think of anything worse for someone who is suicidal than to go to a scam fortune teller. I know. Oh, this is terrible. This could have ended so much worse. Well, <laughs> it ended pretty badly, but at least she's still alive. Yeah, she's still alive. Um, I, It just sort of shows you how vulnerable she was in that moment. And that's probably one of the reasons they identified her as a potential victim. Oh, absolutely. Like, if they had said, like, you've been having suicidal thoughts, and she was like, uh, no. 
they would have been like, oh, my mistake. And Not probably, an easy mark. Yeah, and probably nothing else would have happened, right? So they gave her a bunch of rituals to make her feel better. It was like, oh, someone's put a curse on you. That's why your life isn't going the way that you want. Which, in a way, what a relief to be told that, right? Like, this isn't my fault. Or Right, it's something someone did to this me. This is something someone did to me. And here are these things I can do to undo it. And the solutions at first are not bad. It was like, take a nice bath with some oils. Yeah, it was, it was lovely. She, she was supposed to do ritual baths. She was supposed to use these certain oils at certain times. And she said that she actually really liked it because it made her feel like she was getting control back over her life. And I can see why that would be true. Yeah. And I think you could find that in lots of other things, like prayer or meditation or just a hobby. Sure. But it just happened to be that she was dealing with a con artist. Yeah, that's unfortunate. So what eventually happened is that they convinced Karen that she needed to throw four grand off of her bridge. Normal. Yeah. So she, like, meets... The f- uh, and the fortune teller at the bridge, they like, she hands over $4,000 and supposedly like ties it to this brick after it's been wrapped in like a napkin or something. And then they throw it over the bridge and then they're like, oh, Satan is in the money. And now like, he's gone. He's gone. And your life out. is going to be better. And, you know, you believe and that's why this is going to work and blah, blah, blah. And Anne feels like so relieved. One of my favorite things about these reenactments, and I don't know if this is actually how it went, but is that like the fortune tellers are like screaming. Yeah, which maybe that makes it like more intense or like I think more it does. effective. It it's also interesting to me that this was relying so much on like Christian ideology that their like altar in the home they were using as a fortune telling parlor had all these like statues of Mary and Jesus. They often talked about doing things like good things were happening to you because of jesus and bad things were happening to you because of satan right so like you had to get rid of money that you know whatever was being associated with satan that's why you had to throw it off the bridge well of course when the money was being wrapped in a napkin or whatever you know sleight of hand they kept the four thousand dollars also they had her like close her eyes and pray while they threw the money off the bridge so So it probably was not Uh, really hard to switch it i don't think yeah the sleight of hand happened but i don't know that it was that difficult i was like so they made a big deal of pointing out like oh you thought you were getting rid of the money but really the fortune tellers were keeping it and i was like okay like she was fine with throwing it off a bridge (laughs) but she wasn't fine with someone having it yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but I like never either considered. way, she's out four grand. Right. Yeah, this is a different kind of scam now that I think about <laughs> it. I I don't like that they're preying on vulnerable people. Sure. But in a way, the like switching the money part, it's like, well, you were okay with it not having that money. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, so we get to the next person, um, who they call Joan. Now, Joan is an even sadder case in a way because she's 69. Her second husband had died two years earlier. She's just kind of adrift. She doesn't really know what to do with herself now that her husband is gone. And he did leave her a nice amount of money, but she doesn't seem really to know, like, what to do with her time. I don't know. Yeah. So once again, someone suggests that she go see these fortune tellers and they'll, like, steer her on the right path and... Um, they tell her that a, a curse was placed on her 40 years previously. <laughs> so that most of her life, she's, had this she's curse. been under a curse. And it was actually her first husband's, like, girlfriend before her that put a curse on her. And apparently, 
they could identify this person by name. And that's why she was like, whoa, you really have the gift. Because mm-hmm. how else would you know this person's name? And so she does a trick, which just sounds like a stupid magician trick, where she has her bring a $1 bill, a $5 bill, a $10 bill, and a $20 bill. And they like put this sheet between them <laughs> and she rips the money in half. And then is like, if God wants you to have this money, it will be returned threefold or whatever. And like puts it under the sheet and then just clearly takes out different money. Yeah. And there's like, look, there's even more of it. And it's not ripped anymore. And then Joan is like, oh my God, you're amazing. You have such amazing powers. And this is like what convinces her. And conveniently, now they have all this money. Yeah. So, so yeah, and conveniently. <laughs> Joan doesn't get back. Yeah, I don't know how Seems that like works. they kept it. Anyway, so that the thing with the sheet is so weird. The reenactment was bizarre. Yeah, so the, the money has been magically restored. So she they are convincing Joan that money is evil. She has to, like, put water into a shoebox and, like, move it with a stick <laughs> then it turns something. red yeah and then and they that, say it's the blood of the devil i don't i don't really even it's easy to see it. how that could be done yeah it's it's odd you're gonna have to watch that yourself i don't <laughs> even know how to explain it you know when you put water in a shoebox and the devil makes it red it's sure. blood lives Sure. The blood of the devil. You're driving him out. Over the next year, though, they convince her to give them $81,000 cash. So much money from one person. Most of her jewelry, which I'm assuming was like, not like my jewelry. Actually nice, you know. (laughs) She didn't buy it at Marshall's. Yeah. Not (laughs) Clarence from Marshall's. Maybe it had actual jewels in it. Maybe. And she also brought her a brand new Cadillac. At the end... She brings, like, literally her last... I wrote this down. I want to know how they justified that one. So money is the devil. The money is the devil. But you have to buy me a Cadillac. But give it to us. I mean, okay. I don't know. So I guess she ended up giving them $150,000 in total. I'm not exactly sure. Because she. they eventually asked for the very last of her savings, like the last money she has, $40,000, and they pretend to put it in a barrel and burn it. Well, actually, they, like, put in their coat or something. They put play money in the barrel. Yeah, they put Monopoly in there or something. But again, why is it better to burn it than to keep it? Yeah, I, don't I mean, either they, way, you don't have the money anymore. Otherwise, it doesn't have it anymore. I'd kind of rather someone had it than no one. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, there's something to that. I don't think you should manipulate an old sad woman into giving away all of her money that all her problems will be solved if we just burn this money i don't know that you should she was saying that she felt like she had been literally brainwashed into thinking that the devil was in these possessions and she had been cursed and all this stuff i'm not in a position to say whether that is true or not i don't think you should manipulate the elderly but (laughs) i'm gonna bold stance again last (laughs) week i was against nazis and this week i'm against scamming the elderly but i'm not sure it's actually worse to keep money than to light it on fire i mean there's there's something to that (laughs) but they were acting like oh the switch the switcheroo that's how they got them i was like well they were gonna just burn it which is crazy actually it's 40 grand. Um, so investigators believe that most of the victims are not coming forward because they're too embarrassed. Huh. But they did get 18 victims to come forward and give statements to the police. 
and then arrest warrants were issued. They had some leads. At one point, they arrested a guy named Joe Marks, who was, I think, maybe Anne's brother or Lena's son, or he was somehow related to them and was considered an accomplice. So he was arrested, and he was sentenced to six years for theft and conspiracy. Um, Ten years after this, Lena Marie Wilson was arrested and charged in fraud, and she served a few years in prison. Anne was never found. And at this point, the statute of limitations has, you know, is gone. So if you watch this mystery at the end, it'll say, the authorities are no longer interested in Anne. And it's like, quit calling. We can't. (laughs) What they don't say is because we can't do anything at this point. Right. Um, If she's committed new crimes, if she's convinced you to, you know, burn some money a few days ago, then yes. Call us. But for these Peoria-related crimes in the 80s, yeah, you're out not of luck much. with that. There's not much you can do. It's a it's a different case than we've had before. Yeah. It's funny that Unsolved Mysteries, on the one hand, does want you to believe in psychics and miracles. Right. But and on in the, fact, we'll have a miracle segment <laughs> coming up. But on the other hand, is like, but not fortune tellers. Right. It's an interesting yeah. dichotomy. These people, I think, are interested in preying on people and... Oh, yeah, for sure. Um... Yeah, but it's just interesting how Robert Skak is like, well, clearly this is a scam, but let me tell you about a miracle. Because <laughs> I could see situations where, I don't know, maybe you want to talk about something and going and talking to a fortune teller would be helpful for you. Yeah. I, I mean, be paranoid and suspicious of everyone. Right. Certainly don't give $40,000 and a Cadillac and all your jewelry to really anyone. No. No. Keep that. That's yours. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else I should say I about this? I think we pretty much covered it. it okay. It was fine. It was a good mystery. I, yeah. I like, I wish we got to see a little more of Peoria, but I'm literally the only person that watched that and thought <laughs> that, so it's okay. All right. Well, our next one is a lost heir, and kind of a good lost heir, like actually. This lost heir. This one is interesting. Yeah. I, so- I ended up having... Like, a strange amount of respect for this man. Same. Although, you know who doesn't have a strange amount of respect for him? Robert Stack. No. Robert Stack is throwing so much shade at this man. Before we even get to the mystery, I think this is the opening of the episode. He says, 77-year-old Howard Drummond was an eccentric who died as he lived alone. (laughs) It's so cruel (laughs) and unnecessary. I know. And he didn't really die alone. Well, apparently he had a few friends, but... Not enough for staff. I guess not. So 74-year-old Howard Drummond was a retired bank employee and postal worker who moved into the YMCA in Lansing, Michigan in 1985. I guess I didn't realize you could live in a YMCA. Yes. I don't know if that's true anymore, but much like the song YMCA about staying there. It used to be a a low-budget accommodations. Hmm, I never knew that. Uh, he rented a room for $49 per week, but did not want to pay the extra $5 a day to have his own private bathroom. I mean, $5 a day? That's a lot. Adds up. Can you use the public bathroom? Whatever. He always ordered the same breakfast, fried eggs, bacon, and rye toast for $1.99. He also bought two more of the same breakfast, which he ate for lunch and dinner. Yeah, not getting a lot of fruits and vegetables there. No, not exactly. But, you know what? He lived into his 70s, maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's all right. Maybe all you need to eat, literally, every meal, every day is eggs, bacon, toast. (laughs) That's it. That's it. It's $1.99. I wrote down, that's a great deal. It was a great deal. His daily expenditure on food was just $6. 
I mean, he should have tipped, but... Well, <laughs> That's my one flaw I've seen this so far. He saved money and other items, such as 50 empty coffee jars, hundreds of magazines, and countless rubber bands. Okay, saving rubber bands is a, like, Depression-era yeah. thing. All of my grandparents saved rubber bands. Do I have trouble getting rid of rubber bands? Yes. I never have a fucking rubber band when I need one. You're, they're just on stuff for free, and you should keep them. I, is that I just a I very should. Midwest thing? <laughs> I guess I should. It just never occurred to me. Maybe I will from now on. Now you can when be I die alone in a YMCA, you'll with find all of your rubber bands, just piles of rubber bands around me, and shoelaces. I just think this guy was a very like product of his time, and he stuck in that mode of like you got to save everything you can. He probably was. I think it was also maybe a combination of some mental illness. Oh, I think there yeah, a little bit. He owned 80 pairs of white socks and eight identical suits and hats so that he could wear the exact same outfit every day. I think of the time that saves. I mean, yeah, you never have to worry about what you're going to wear. Supposedly Einstein You never have the a same situation outfit. like I did today trying to get ready for the Trixie show and I have no clue what I'm going to wear and I put on every dress in my closet. If I just had one dress that I wore you had every day, the Samantha outfit, I would, the outfit that you feel like you look great in, and you just wear it every occasion. Yeah, sounds great. Did you say Einstein wore the same outfit every I, day? I don't know if that's true. Or just one of those things that's on the internet, but supposedly, yeah. Huh. I mean, it's practical. Yeah. So um, Robert Stack says that Howard lived his life according to a rigid set of rules that only he fully understood. I think he did have some OCD. I think so. Not that I am qualified to diagnose that, but you know, that's my suspicion. He seemed to have no friends and few acquaintances. However, the people who did interact with him felt that he was a kind person. He did practically the same thing every day at the same time. After talking with the manager at the YMCA, he would walk to the downtown Lansing that post office. Manager at the YMCA seemed really nice. He was so nice. Darnell Jones. I wanted him to get the money. His full title was systems administrator at the he YMCA. Which feels- to, he just seemed to get it. I don't know. Yeah, he was so nice. He was very sympathetic. Um... He described Howard as wanting his receipt to be stapled in a certain way every single time. But he also says that Howard was also kind and gentle, and people didn't always see that in him. And he said that Howard always said thank you and noticed the little things that you would do for him. I know. So that was I just nice. thought that was so sweet, and I was like, give that guy the money. I know. He deserves it. So he also <laughs> visited postal worker Frances Dodge every day. He often gave her shopping lists written on the backs of old envelopes, and he would always give her the money for the items that she bought for him. Which, yeah. way to go above and beyond, Francis. I mean, seriously. She's doing shopping for this old guy. And she she describes, she thought he was very poor because he wore the same outfit every day. Yeah. She would ask, She said he. she asked him why he wore the same hat every day, and he said it's not worn out yet, which, I mean, fair yeah. point. Yeah, why waste money on hats when the one you got's just fine? Again, that's like such Depression-era thinking, I think. Right. But, yeah, Francis... She deserves really, a medal or something. She does. Going, why is she doing shopping for people at the <laughs> post office? The post office does not pay her enough to do shopping errands for random people. See, but, so you can't say this guy didn't have any friends because that's what I think. she's doing him a favor he had more Francis than anything. And I know. They liked him. Yeah, and probably the people at the place where, well, maybe he wasn't friends with the people he didn't tip for his <laughs> rye toast. <laughs> They're like, oh, this guy again. <laughs> That's so, my, yeah, that's my only complaint. He really should have chipped on that breakfast have. plus two more meals. <laughs> Especially given how much money we find out that he has. So after completing his daily routine in Lansing, he would return to his room at the YMCA. He never allowed anyone inside his room. So Howard passed away. Which, 
they acted like that was suspicious. It was probably quite small. It's not for entertaining people. No, it's it's just for sleeping and whatever. Right. Reading his magazines and storing his rubber band. <laughs> exactly. It's not, I don't know that it was like a secret so much as it was also, like. who would he invite in? It doesn't seem like room. he socialized. It's not a home. He was fine with his, his life just walking yeah. to the post office every day. So he passed away on January 28th, 1989. Two days later, County Attorney Paul Rosenbaum visited the YMCA to settle his estate and find possible heirs. After two weeks, the attorney was able to sort out all of his paperwork. It took two weeks because Howard saved everything. He Again, found- I kind of respect it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Howard. We're so- kindred spirits, you and I. <laughs> he found several interesting items within Howard's possessions. There was a diary that listed the headlines of news stories on stations across the United States. So apparently Howard would sit in his room and literally just write down every headline from every news. What a fascinating document that must be, It must have been pretty good. They showed a little picture of it. Like, that's just a summary of all news. Yeah. He was also obsessed with Princess Di, which I thought was adorable. He had countless newspaper clippings of Princess Diana. I don't, that was like his celebrity crush. I think it probably was. Princess <laughs> Diana. So cute. There were three watches that did not work and also thousands of used shoelaces. I That was the one thing that I was like. It's a little strange. Why so many used shoelaces? How, how does one even come up with that? I have shoelaces? not used thousands of shoelaces <laughs> in my life. And even by the time I'm in my 70s, I have trouble imagining I will have used that many shoelaces. Piles of shoelaces? Yeah. Maybe when he wore through a pair of shoes, he kept the shoelaces, because he's like, well, I can save this for something. I guess. That's my only thought. But still, that means he wore through thousands of shoes over his life. I mean, it's hard to believe. It's true. He didn't do that much walking. No. Um, Paul also discovered that he had 11 different bank accounts across the country, with a total of $249,746. Which is why he should have been tipping. Yeah. Come on, Howard. Howard always carried a gym bag with him, but strangely, it was not found in his apartment. It is believed that some of his most important papers were in the bag. In the apartment, Paul found a key marked number 29 that he believes belongs to a locker at a bus station. It's possible that the gym bag might be in his locker. There is little known about Howard Drummond. He was born in Houston, Texas in 1911. He was the only child of impoverished parents. He served in the army from 1942 to 1945. He was fired from a job at a California bank for stealing scotch tape. <laughs> what? I missed that. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. He's he, like, why buy tape? They have plenty here. I'm pretty sure that's how that went. Uh, he later. I get this guy. I really do. Yeah. Listen. We've all done it. <laughs> uh, he later worked as a postal employee in Pasadena. Oh. He lived at YMCA's in Pasadena, Denver, and Dayton. Okay. Uh, and after the broadcast, Howard's half-brother and niece came forward and received the money. Other relatives were also able to prove their relationship to him and received some of the money as well. The county has closed the case and is no longer looking for heirs. So sorry if you're related to him. I really wish it had gone to the woman at the post office and, and the YMCA. Yeah, Francis and Darnell this deserved is... a cut of that because they really went above and beyond. They to... were the people actually like helping him. Yeah, and not Dar- his niece and nephew who never saw him. And so many props to like Darnell who knew that he liked his receipt stapled in a certain way and i'm sure that wasn't howard's only unique demand <laughs> let me tell you no and i think darnell did it with a smile and he, he found something positive about it and he he knew that howard was appreciative of it right and he appreciated that so, if that guy was a jerk and did that you would be like fuck you no yeah. but he was 
totally weird but nice that's the secret and francis bought him towels and whatever else he needed it was so cute see he should have written a will leaving the money to them yeah howard come on maybe it was in that gym bag they never found possibly that's weird that was it's weird because where else did he go i know but then again would they know everywhere that he went no i don't think so they just found two people who interacted with him but he could have had they didn't know where he was at all the time yeah, what if he was also at the library a lot or also buying shoelaces? I don't know. <laughs> right. We don't know Howard's life. Right. So. What happened in that gym bag? That's yeah, the mystery. that is a mystery. That is the, in, the how enduring many, mystery. How many pictures of Princess Diana were in that gym bag and how many rubber Probably bands? Probably several. How many shoelaces? I know. Lots. Uh, I wish I could have known Howard. This was such a cute mystery. I know. I think this is one of my favorites. I really like it. Yeah. Howard is such a unique, cute old man. So I liked it. And um, I like that someone got the money, I guess. Yeah. It's better than it just, I don't languishing know. Languishing and yeah. not going anyone. So that's Ho- it. Hopefully they did something cool with it. Like, I don't know, bought a sweet 80 sports car or... Some trench coats. Some trench Some coats. Burberry trench coats. Invested it in looking for aliens. Who yeah, knows? Let's hope. All right, our last mystery, they call Psy-Med. Did you see that? <laughs> no, It's didn't. like they combined the words sci-fi and medicine. Or science and medicine? Yeah. That's weird. Like Psy-Med. It, I, I would have assumed it was a miracle. Yeah, it basically, they kind of act like it's a miracle, but it's the combination of a miracle and science. Oh, right. I guess. This one happens in Minnesota. I know. Shout Another, out to small town Minnesota. This is, takes place in Maple Plain, Maple Plain, Minnesota. that's right. Which, do you know anything about Maple Plain? I do not. I've never been there, but I know I could point at it on a map. Okay, so this is the story of Dawn, who, this is your most valuable mustache, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Dawn, here's my sketch of his mustache. That's a great sketch. I'm calling it the the Wyatt Earp, because it has a very, (laughs) like, I would not expect someone to have a mustache like this unless they were in a western movie yes it looks like a waterfall coming up <laughs> of his lip yeah yeah it's somewhere in between like a beaver and a waterfall <laughs> <laughs> if that makes sense to you this, this is, yeah you're right i mean he should be wearing a cowboy hat and riding the range it's strange that he shouldn't be in maple plain he, minnesota. yeah he's in maple plain minnesota but anyway so what happened to Don? Well, he was out hunting with his friends in Maple Plain, and he decided that he was going to... Look, I don't know anything about hunting, okay? So... Is this the one where they were out at night? Yeah, they're out. Because... They're either out at night or, like, very early in the morning. You're not supposed to be hunting in the middle of the night, Don. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. He made a series of mistakes. Yeah, we'll he that. sure did. So him and his friends are out in a wooded area, 175 miles north of Maple Plain. Don decides that he's going to like get up in this tree. Mistake number two. To hunt deer. And in doing so, drops his rifle, which shoots him in a very major vein in his leg. Yeah. So his Bad friends news. just... In this reenactment, just out in the darkness, like, hear a shot and a scream, and then are like, oh, fuck, where's Dawn? And are, like, scrambling to find him in the night. Meanwhile, he's bleeding out in a tree. Yeah. Which, are you going to look in a tree? I don't know. So it takes him a while to find him. It takes a while for the ambulance to get there. So, I mean, first of all, you're out in the middle of the night hunting. You're not with the other people. Yeah. I'd How do you know where anyone is if you just sh- you're shooting into the darkness and you don't know where your other two friends are? This I don't know. Like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I, they made a point of saying that his friends didn't know where he was, and it took them 25 minutes to find him. This, this is not a good hunting 
plan, you guys. It's not safe. This not someone gets shot in the face. Dick Cheney style. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so 20 minutes later, after finding him, he's rushed to the hospital. He's technically alive, but he has no blood pressure. And the doctors were concerned that essentially they were going to, what they said was save the body, but not save the brain. Yeah. That he would be technically alive, but have no brain activity. He lost 60% of his blood. A lot of blood to lose. They gave him, they said all the blood and blood products that they had at the hospital, all of it. And he still needed more because it was such a huge blood loss. Do you remember which hospital he went to first? Um, I know they just, went. They brought him to North Memorial at some point, yeah, but I don't remember where he went first. It, they it just doesn't really matter. I just have a nearby hospital. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. So, I'm sure it was somewhere up north. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to say. <laughs> maybe not. Or maybe, it seems like they did a good job of stabilizing him. I mean, they clearly, like, it was all hands on deck, and they took this very seriously. Um, and they were able to stabilize him, but they, he needed even more blood. So he ended up being helicoptered 200 miles away to North Memorial, which is here in Minneapolis. Um, his brain was essentially dead and he was in a coma. At this point, I'm, first of all, you know, they're not talking about this if he, if he didn't wake up, if he didn't wake up. So it's not that sad. So my, my thought was, oh my God, what is this guy's medical bill going to be? Yeah, you, holy shit. If you have to get helicoptered to another hospital. After using all the blood in the last what hospital. What does that cost? Oh my God. If you do not live in the United States, I'm sure you're vaguely aware of what an absolute nightmare our healthcare system is. Can I tell you the story I always tell people when this topic comes up? Yes. My cousin sadly died of cancer when he was a little boy. And my aunt, I believe my uh, my uncle was had died at this point. It was just her. And then she had another daughter. They fought. There was a long, hard fight against this cancer. Sure. And she said that after he died, she got literally got a bill for $1 million. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She opened it up. It was for $1 million. She said she sat down and laughed because she's like, how... The fuck am I going to pay a million dollars? Yeah. And an uh, anonymous donor paid it all. Oh, wow. Still don't know who that was to this day. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. But also fucking frightening. Oh, I mean, this that is they how- would literally send you a bill for Your kid just died of cancer. Here's a bill for a million dollars. Can you pay imagine us. anything else where the, the, result, the result is that bad? I'm not saying they could have cured the cancer, but the person still died. And yeah. you still have to pay a million dollars. This is why people go bankrupt. I mean, yeah. that's insane. Absolutely insane. So my, yeah, even if, if, if you have insurance in this country, it often doesn't cover a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you could be billed a million dollars. It's so insane. I'm seeing a reenactment of Don being helicoptered <laughs> you're just to thinking, another. And I'm like, how much did that oh, cost? What? Don's poor family. No, <laughs> like. This is why it's, like, risky to call an ambulance for someone yeah. because they're going to get the bill for that and you don't know if they can pay it. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's insane. I don't... Do not bother writing into this podcast and telling me that that makes sense. When I was born, my birth was very complicated and it, my parents' insurance didn't cover a lot of it because I had a pre-existing condition, supposedly. Of being... I, I guess my pre-existence <laughs> because I was literally just born? What? Yeah. That's so insane. They were like, oh, it doesn't fall under your policy because this is like a new person and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So this baby isn't covered. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so crazy. Bullshit. So, yeah, I really felt for Don's family. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Thinking about what this bill was going to come to. 
Anyway, so the doctors tell Don's family, like, look, he's in a coma. It's very serious. He's not going to come out. And they're sort of like, yeah, that's nice. They like, don't <laughs> accept the information. I wrote down, like, literally what he says. The doctor says, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your son is brain dead. And the mom, just, like, in the reenactment, not being able to act, totally deadpan, just goes, I can't accept that. <laughs> <laughs> because they were being told all this bad information, but they were just convinced he was going to pull through. Yeah. And so I think five months go by a long amount of time goes by the doctors have been like look we should really pull the plug on this probably because their bill is really adding up (laughs) probably and they're like no 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 he's gonna pull through and the doctors are like, yeah, okay. And they're doing some praying. There's like some shots Yes, of them there's a lot calling of Calling on their, their congregation. Church, like people from the church keep coming and keeping his family company. And uh, But eventually someone comes and his mom says, oh, isn't it nice so-and-so comes? And Don nods. What? I know. And then they ask him some other question and he nods three times. And they're like, oh. And then it goes from that to him like waking up, recovering, leaving the hospital on crutches and then six months later not even eating crutches and getting like married yeah like and a couple then months after that it by june 10th 1989 he gets married sporting his fancy mustache yeah and then it goes on to have two children and the doctors cannot explain how he recovered but robert stack points out that this is a, a an example of happy endings do occur and medical science and simple faith can turn out to be wondrous and mysterious partners okay i liked that unsolved mysteries at some point was like these shows can be a bummer yeah lots of this is sad you've got women being chased into the woods in their slips (laughs) yeah like can we find a happy mystery let's scour the world yeah who came out of a coma and they did and they found don in maple plain if don is still hunting he is practicing some safer methods yes please i also liked the doc I think from the first hospital had like what would now be it's like come back around he had like a modern hipster look oh yes that beard yeah he had like this beard mustache that was like very well groomed and then these really big glasses which he was just like wearing because that was the style of time I was like oh no that's like come back yeah it's like totally full circled around we can see that guy walking down the street of Minneapolis yeah exactly so I don't know it's just like a cute little it was a nice, story it was a nice mystery i liked it the mystery is they don't know How why he he's, he's totally fine he doesn't have any brain damage or any lasting problems from which that is crazy to me yeah he doesn't have any ill effects at all he was brain dead like yeah. so i wanted to know okay if you're in a coma samantha what do you want me to do to try to wake you up? Play Unsolved Mysteries. The theme song. Do you think you could, that, could, that could frighten me out of a coma? Oh, There's I like it a lot. What or is, you'll think your phone is ringing. And so you'll like true. you'll like reach up. Because yes. that's Samantha's ringtone is the Unsolved Mysteries theme. So she'll like think her phone's ringing and she'll be like, oh God, I got to get it. <laughs> and then we'll be like, Samantha, we thought you were in a coma. You could also turn the temperature down real low in my room because I hate being cold. And I'm very, oh. I'm always cold. And I'll just be like, fuck, I need a sweater. And I feel up. like hospitals usually are pretty cold. Yeah, so we make it even colder. Okay. How, about, how about you? What should we do if you're in a coma? I've told Mac this as well. The Smiths have a song called Girlfriend in a Coma. I feel like if you play that song for me, I will wake up. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> Let's not test it, but yeah, we're pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if you play that song for me, I'll 
be like hilarious. So now when time to wake the car up. falls on you and you have a near death experience and you are in a coma, we'll <laughs> yes. switch that song on and we'll just wake right up. I mean, you can tell us what questions you ask the universe. <laughs> yes. And then I'll say, I now I know who killed Jumpy Ramsey, <laughs> and I know that Bigfoot is a ghost. I spoke with him. <laughs> you know all the good stuff. Perfect. I like this episode. This episode was really good. Should we rate it? Yes. Let's rate it. Mysteriousness. <laughs> um, okay, Rhonda is mysterious. Yeah, what happened to her? What happened to Rhonda? Um Fortune Tellers no. not super mysterious. Not super mysterious. <laughs> we get an update from the nudist mystery. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's so unnecessary. It it's at really least it's short. Yeah. I did skip through it. Um But you I mean if you want to laugh at some concealed more, nudity again, there's yeah, that. There's that for you. Um I guess the coma mystery is mysterious. But stuff like that just happens. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think... I'm going to say sideways. The brain is robust and can heal itself. Medical science know. really has its limits. They don't know everything. Right. Yeah, so, with them sideways. Sideways. I want to know what happened to that gym bag, though. That is so mysterious. Yeah. It's almost a thumbs up for that. Um, Find that gym bag! Why was he collecting all those shoelaces? Yeah, that is weird to me. Very everything mysterious. else I was like, that's normal. That Shoelaces? <laughs> that's weird. Well, that's weird. Um, Reenactments. I think they were fine. They were I don't know. Fine. Nothing stood out to me really. I kind of liked Don's hunting buddies looking for him in the like absolute pitch dark. <laughs> um, yeah, they're fine sideways. Nothing special. Fashion. Fashion. I would say also sideways. Yeah. Was... You get hipster doctor. You do get some like authentic Midwest. 80s, 90s looks, but eh, eh. We've seen so many of them at this point that it's not it's really nothing, It's nothing out. to write home about. I wouldn't be like, you've got to see blah. Right. No. And Robert Stank's outfits, though. Not bad. Ooh, thumbs up for those because yeah, I love up. the Burberry shirt. Yeah. Casual Stack, that's a good look for Stack. And this is like a, yeah. We didn't get a trench coat. That would be full circle. Yeah. But. It's funny that anyone else dressed like this, I'd be like, look at this country club loser. Blah. <laughs> but then Robert Stack does it. I'm like, oh, nice. <laughs> Just because I like Unsolved Mysteries. So out of possible five Robert Stacks. I'm like a four. I would say four. I actually really like I it. I a solid four on this one. I like that it ends on a happy note. That's I love of, that eccentric lost air. Yeah, it's so good. And I like the fortune teller mystery just for something a little different. Yeah, this was a quirky episode and I really appreciated it. And you get one true crime story. Yeah. Which I is like sad, that. but yeah. But it's the stories we like. It's a good so. story, too. Yeah. Because for. it's so weird to be shot through a car. I know. It's just strange. Yeah. So I feel, I feel like this episode has a little of everything. It's not like, is it going to be top of mind, like Kurt Fall? No. Does it have any satanic panic? No. But I feel like it's solid. The mysteries are good. The variety is good. And compared to the garbage we've had so far in and season two, we've seen some real a shining star. Flog, boring, nothing burger mysteries. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> exactly. Blah, 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 blah. All right, Liz, tell me what your recommendation is. Oh, this week. My recommendation is something you already know about. I want to recommend, I guess, internet personality, author, Jacques the Stripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who, if you're not following on Instagram, you're just Please wasting do. your time. Please do. This is an account you need to follow. She is an amazing Canadian stripper who also does some writing and she does the reason I first heard about her is that she does comics which are based on her life and anecdotes she's heard from other strippers and sex workers and they are hilarious so funny you guys 
Um, and so she'll post some of those. I had here to show Samantha her book. Is that what that is? Yes, this is. Yeah, Striptastic. Striptastic, a celebration of dope ass cunts who like money. She <laughs> self published this and it did really well after publishers wouldn't let her do exactly what she wanted. She just did it herself and I think it's been pretty successful. It is hilarious. It's just little anecdotes of what it is actually like to be a stripper opposed to. I don't know, whatever bullshit you would see on TV. My favorite one, I think, is there is it's just one panel. It's a scene of a room where there's a bunch of dudes and they each have a woman on their lap and they're all saying the same thing at the same time, which is, I'm not like the other guys in here. <laughs> it's so, I mean, it's so simple, but it's so good. I love it. She's very, very funny. And I don't know. It's just like really effective communication. I think it's just like a realistic, like down to earth yes. look at it. It's not like, oh, it's the most like glamorous thing in the world and everything about it is great. But it's also not like, oh, it's so demeaning and terrible and blah, blah, blah. Her comments are great. Then you get to see comments from other strippers, like filling in their anecdotes and whatever. And it's just completely fascinating. There was an amazing thread once of everybody talking about like their pre-shift rituals, like what they did to get pumped up, like what songs they listened to. And people were like, I light certain candles or I have a superstition where I won't put my purse on the ground because I'm going to have a bad night. And just stuff like that. It's like... So fascinating. So fascinating. And I think an actual like non-sensationalized look at sex work in this country and she's just really funny and i don't know if you're not paying attention to her i feel like you're missing out anyway love it that's my recommendation thanks so i'm recommending yet another podcast yay um so i'm not super into political discussions i don't watch a lot of news i'll listen to national public radio maybe on my way to work but that's about it most of the ones i don't like are male dominated i just find those discussions to be a little hard to take but i am loving a new podcast called muller she wrote actually it's not new really they've been around for a minute okay um it's a female run podcast that's all about the muller investigation which is they're so funny they're all comedians and one of them works in the executive branch of the government so they're super smart they're very sharp their comedy is hilarious They will do hilarious things like cut in music at certain times. They have segments on their show like the Indictment Fantasy League where they try and guess who's going to be indicted next. And I really wish, so I discovered this podcast recently and I really wish that I had discovered it like when the Mueller investigation first started because they've been podcasting from the beginning and it's a bit hard to go back and like re-listen because a lot of things you kind of know what has happened and it gets a little bit dense at times. Okay. Um, so I'm listening backwards and I listen to each new episode that comes out. And if you want to kind of be informed about what's going on, but not be just like fucking crushed by how ridiculous it all is, which you kind of are anyway, but the comedy lightens the mood and to also have a female's perspective, because I think yeah. a lot of political discussions could really benefit from having a female perspective. Um, listen to this podcast. It's so funny. I think the ladies are hilarious. They definitely deserve more listeners. I think... I don't, there are other podcasts. I mean, there's tons of podcasts about the presidency sure. right now, but I don't know how many other ones there are about just the Mueller investigation. Yeah, interesting. And I think this is the main, like the biggest one. Okay. And I'm really happy for them that they're, they've become so successful, especially being kind of niche. So I highly recommend it. I'm going to check that out. That sounds good. I mean, so. our news cycle right now is so cuckoo bananas. Like, it's just yes. 
off the wall. You could not predict. Like, go back five years and tell someone this was our fate. No one would believe you. You would be Cassandra screaming into the wind, right? Like, Yes. And it is hard to keep up because the lies just are constantly changing and escalating. And it's a new crazy thing every single day. The craziest thing you've ever heard every single day. And it's also just exhausting to keep up with. And I... And it wears you down. <laughs> so it's nice to have a podcast that is hosted by people that you like and who are funny yeah. to break it down for you, um, I think. The problem I have with a lot of political discussions is that it ends up treating things like a thought problem, if that makes yeah, sense, instead make sense. of, like, no, this really affects people's lives. Like, we're not just having a debate in debate club. Right. Right. Like, this is a real issue that affects real... And I sometimes feel like that's not really being included. No, it definitely isn't. So I would be more interested in hearing a female perspective, I think. Yeah. I really like that they are all all women. Um, I think they just get things that are overlooked by by sure. men when it's just men talking to each other. Um which is just, that's going to happen when you have all people, you know, the same people in the same room. That's they're why gonna... representation matters. Yes. <laughs> I really like it. I think they're killing it. Um, Sweet. They deserve a listen. Check them out. All right. So uh, we have a week. small update that we forgot to mention at the beginning of the show, and that oh. is that we're not going to be here next week. Oh, because yeah. Because you true. are going out of town. Um, so. so you're going to have a bit of a break. Sorry. We've got a week off. We were only planning on having one break this season, but there was that blizzard. Yeah, so. there's nothing we can do about that. We will have a week off. Yes. I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I don't but know. we'll be so- back. And then we're also doing our Patreon yeah. episode on Mothman. Yeah, so if you want more, perhaps it's you, pledge on Patreon. Any dollar amount will get you extra bonus content each month. And That's how nice we are. When Liz gets back, we're going to record our Mothman episode and... You'll get an extra episode this month. So that's patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. You can also follow us on the social medias at perhaps it's you. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All those things. And then if you wanted to email us for some reason, like maybe you saw a UFO or a ghost or you used to do Robert Stack's tailoring. We want to hear from you, and that's... Do you know if that trench coat was Burberry? Yeah, I have questions. So it's perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. I think that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening and listening to us complain about boring mysteries. If you like it, rate us on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. We need those ego boosts. Yes, it really helps us. We only accept five-star reviews. I mean, obviously. Five out of five, Robert Stacks only, please. Don't bother. And that's about it. 